Hey, 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 great people. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Bonjour, ça va? Hello, hola, what's up? What's good? It is Lacey C. Clark, a.k.a. Phenomenal. And this is the Phenomenal Everywhere podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you today? It's 2020, still 2020. <laughs> it was 2020 in the last episode, but it's still 2020. Happy new decade. Happy new month. Um, happy everything. Yes, 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 y'all. Yeah, so Phenomenal and Phenomenal Everywhere, the One Woman Theater Show. I am Phenomenal and... Um, I want to invite you to enjoy the journey, the Phenomenal Everywhere journey via the audiobook um, at www.peverywhere.com or on CD Baby, Phenomenal Everywhere. Um, if you want to support the project, which is an ongoing lifelong project, which is the world through a black woman's eyes, you can do so by Cash App, Phenom Everywhere. Phenom Everywhere is the Cash App. So... Everybody keeps asking me to talk about the Gail King, Snoop Dogg, Kobe Bryant, Lisa Leslie interview, all of that stuff together. So if you have been hiding under a rock or if you have been doing you and you have not been in the stream of social media antics in the last what last two weeks, is it? Um, the last two weeks, what has happened is... Uh, Kobe Bryant has has died. He actually uh, died in a helicopter crash with his daughter and some other people who were on their way to um, an event in California. And um, of course, the world who everybody who loved Kobe um, was mourning his death. So people were very vulnerable and very emotional. Um, Kobe again is from Philly. I'm from Philly. Well, he's he went to school in Lower Marion. It's like down the street from Philly. So definitely Philly connected, Philly energy, Philly vibration. Um, so he was in a helicopter and he died with his daughter, Gigi. Middle daughter, I think it is. And they both died. So that was really, really, really a tragic, sad, sad story. And so, of course, there were media reports of it. And Gail King, Oprah's best friend, um, interviewed Lisa Leslie, which is actually a, um, she's also a WNBA all-star, uh, five-time Olympic champion. And uh, he, she and Kobe Bryant were friends. And so Gail Bryant had Gail King had Lisa Leslie on the show, uh, CBS in the morning, and was asking her questions in reference to uh, Kobe Bryant and his legacy. And so the question that she asked uh, Lisa Leslie um, was really seemed to be leading her into a place where she wanted to get her friend to kind of admit that he had the kind of energy that would be about uh rape and sexual assault so there was there was a sexual assault charges sexual assault situation happening with kobe bryant sometime in his past and gail king urgently brought that up in the interview and lisa leslie this is all this is all um what do you call it um all document on on social media so you can definitely look at these interviews but lisa leslie was basically saying to gail um i don't know him to be that way and then gail responded with well you wouldn't know that you wouldn't know that lisa because ultimately as a friend you probably wouldn't see that side of him it seemed like she was leading lisa into like getting her to try to admit that you know he was possibly some kind of monster um or some kind of sexual predator if you will and so lisa leslie kept saying i don't know 
um, him to be that way. I don't know that he is like that. I know guys who are that way, who have their friends kind of get girls, but he wasn't never, he wasn't ever that person. Um, and so from that interview, uh, there was amazing backlash with Gail King saying, why is it that um, Gail King and Oprah have been consistently attacking black male legacies? Michael Jackson with um, the documentary that came out, Oprah was quick to kind of get on board with the two accused, two white male accusers who were accusing Michael Jackson of sexual abuse. And then you have uh, Russell Simmons. Oprah quickly produced that documentary. Um, and then, you know, Gail King with this experience. Um, but then the ultimate question that everyone keeps asking is why not Harvey Weinstein? They were really close and they were really cool. Why aren't you... If you knew about Harvey Weinstein, why didn't you actually ask him about his sexual abuse allegations? Why have you jumped on board for anybody who accused him? So you are quick to throw black men under the bus when it comes to sexual assault. Um, but when it comes down to people that you had in your circle for a long time, your hush hush mums the word. <laughs> so that's not funny, but you know, mums the word is funny to me. So anyway, that's the short version of the story. So people jumped out soon as they saw that interview um and they were really very very hurt and very very broken by that interview because it came off like again um gail could not wait uh and also gail did the legendary r kelly interview as well on cbs which she was really played praised for um r kelly interview if you don't know r kelly is also accused and in jail right now for sexual uh, misconduct rape underage women um a lot of sexual deviancy that has happened throughout the course of his career. And so he's in jail now. And, um, before he went to jail, there were his two girlfriends and him on TV and Gail was, um, praised for her poise in that interview. So the question that everybody's asking is why not Harvey Weinstein? Why aren't you asking these people? Um, why is it always just the black male legacies that you're attacking and you're quick to attack, specifically those who you said that you befriended, like Michael Jackson, like you spend time with Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, and you were cool to some degree. This man is dead for over 10 years and now he's being accused of sexual assault. And now you are, you know, quick to just jump on the, the bandwagon of that. So Snoop Dogg and other people, Little Boozy and 50 Cent, and I, a lot of people, Ricky Smiley, um, Many, 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 many people basically jumped out really quickly and attacked Gail via, you know, nah, Gail, you out of line, you out of pocket, you know, you shouldn't be actually doing that. This too early, it's too soon. What about the respect for the family? What about the respect for, um, you know, what just happened, the tragedy? Like, where is your respect? So Snoop ultimately called this uh, woman, Gail King, a dog face bitch. Um, and he said, should I do it? Should I do it? He kept, he was actually asking the audience, should I say it? Should I say it? Use a bitch. Use a bitch. So he went to that whole, you know, rant about her being a dog face bitch. And then majority of the community, black community, jumped on board with Snoop saying, you know, he was right. You know, he was, you know, and, and, and what astonished me, he was right. Well, let me just finish the story. He was right. That's how we all felt. You know, they have been dog face bitches. Da, 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 da. They out here trying to throw black men under the bus. What about Harvey Weinstein? What about the white men that are, you know, Matt Lahr? All these people who have been uh, disgraced uh, for sexual misconduct, um, you know, sexual predatory behavior. None of them have been uh, 
questioned by Oprah or Gail. All of them have been black males. So Snoop, in a sense, basically spoke out to that. But again, called her a dog face bitch, called her a bitch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. All right, now, this is where the story be. This is where my commentary begins. So I just want to kind of catch you up on what's going on, what's happening, the phenomenal point of view. All right, here we are. So I feel that, yes, I think that the timing that Gail had was very inappropriate. I definitely think that. I definitely think that um, there is a pattern, you know, with Oprah and Gail basically jumping on the black men who have been shoot, um, charged with sexual predator predatory behavior and all the above right and they they kind of quickly jump on it and want to kind of be and, and and the way gail frames i'm sorry oprah frames is that she's on the woman's side you know i, I want to support people who aren't believed you know i have a big platform i have a big voice and i want to support people who aren't believed and in a lot of these cases that these black men are being accused of i honestly believe that there was some sexual misconduct happening here's why i wasn't there I can't put, you know, I don't have any um, crystal balls to know what was going on. But let me just say what I do know. What I do know is that the industry and people in power will use and abuse power unless they are very, 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 very well um, disciplined. They're very well disciplined to not use and abuse their power or very well, you know, healed and trained to not use and abuse their power. And because the industry is an industry of sexual deviance, I lived in LA, so I was, you know, I'm very clear on some of the things that go on in LA. It is an industry of sexual de- deviance and drugs and pedophilia and all these other kind of things. If you've heard these stories countless times, it's a climate of dysfunctionality. So if you have an opportunity to actually express, you know, um, or be down with the culture of dysfunctionality, to not be down with the culture of dysfunctionality means that you actually have to stick out. And so you talk about um, the Hollywood casting couch. That's what the whole Harvey Weinstein thing was about. Like the culture of the Hollywood casting couch. You know, everybody's not doing it, but it's a climate of those who are in, in very high positions who can do it. And a lot of people who actually did do it, who signed up for sexual misconduct, who signed up for a violation, who was down with the get down because they wanted to actually get on and have their popping careers. They wanted to be A-list celebrities. So it's kind of like, you know, here's a sexual favor you do for me and I actually make your life a whole nother experience. There were women who signed up for that reality. Does it make it right that that was the climate and that they had to almost to figure that out? No, but I understand that that was a reality for people to be part of. And that's how it was until it started caving in, right? So all the people who have been accused and defamed and disgraced for their sexual deviant behavior, um, you know, I, I would believe that if you didn't do it, then you were a rarity because, or you were a rare person because this is the climate. I'm in power. I want you, or I want to assert my power over you. So I'm going to touch you inappropriately, engage you inappropriately, you know, dominate you inappropriately because I can. And if you want this, then you'll do it. Right. Um, and people actually, some of your favorite starlets today, starlets and stars today, um, you know, co-signed it co-signed the culture and was down with the culture. P 
people took those sexual favors and done and did those sexual favors to change their life. Some of the people, um, trust me, trust me. Some of the people that you know of today, you know, were about the casting couch culture and, you know, um, had to drop their values, their morals, their integrity to really kind of move to the next level in their career. Okay. And I'm getting back to Oprah and Gail. Now, rape allegations. So now that's a whole nother kind of thing because there's a lot of levels of black men being accused of rape in America. And that was not the case. And have been killed. Emmett Till, as we know, uh, if you don't know who Emmett Till is, please research him. But Emmett Till was a 14 year old black boy who was accused of whistling at a white woman. And so for that point, they lynched him and he died. Um, they lynched him and, and he died and he was, it was accused, but he died. There were so many black men who were accused of raping white women and a lot of them were false allegations and they were actually literally lynched. That's what a lot of lynching was about in the South or in America as well. It was about showing the power that white um, men community had over the black community to stay in their place. Cause if not, then this is what happened. What happens to this? Can, what, what could happen to you? So I wasn't there. I don't know if Kobe raped that woman or was a part of a rape experience or sexual assault experience with that woman. But the people were upset that they were bringing that up because of his legacy was just so powerful and he just died. It was so tragic and all the above. Um, you know, some of the commentary that I've made about this is, is, is interesting. Um, people may agree, you know, the, the, emotionality of my people in America right now. And I think in general, it's just very high. You know, we are, we are people in America. I believe our, our people in America are very trauma, black people. We're very traumatized. So we stay in a high form of emotionality. You know, we're very defensive. We're very angry. We're very hurt and rightfully so. Right. Um, um, and we can, and we can get free of that personally. That's another story, another conversation for another time. But because our emotions mean everything, Right. It's like any little thing that comes to in, uh, disrupt or interrupt or further cause damage to our already wounded, hurt feelings for not being uh, taken with respect, not um, experiencing justice or the above. It's like heightened to the 20th power. <laughs> so I get the reaction. And I would say that, you know, media has always been ruthless. Like when has media ever respected anybody's space? Or anybody's, um, you know, uh, boundaries when it comes to like tragedy. Like that's what media is. Media is, and specifically in America, media is about if it bleeds, it leaves. That's like the legendary thing. You know, you want to get the shot of the blood that somebody got shot. You want to get, you know, somebody, you know, jumped out the window. You want to get that on camera. Like this is the whole culture of media. But I guess because. Kobe was a sacred figure and was this, you know, again, basketball God in a sense, you know, he was kind of off limits and that there was etiquette that needed to be had when it came down to respecting the family, um, you know, and the process. I mean, it was a tragic situation. So I definitely get it. I'm just saying the other side is that other side of that is media has always been about exploitation and always been about you know, fear mongering and clicks and views and, you know, tune in next time and you can see, you know, the sensationalism of X, Y, and Z. So I'm just a little shocked that we think that, I guess, Kobe, in a sense, um, would be off limits to that. 
um, or should be off limits to that because it was a tragic situation. It was like the whole, there was TMZ was actually criticized for actually releasing the crash footage before the family knew. And they were saying, you know, morally, is that wrong? I'm like, this is, you know, America's about capitalism. If I get the first opportunity to bring up a real issue or bring up an issue that nobody else has, that means clicks and views and likes and money for my platform. This is what we, this is the times that we live in. So I think that, you know, people expecting, you know, any media outlet to be respectful is kind of, is, is kind of, um, it's a little extra, you know what I mean? Even though I think, you know, Hum, from for the sake of humanity, people should. But media is not humanity. <laughs> media is, you know, capitalism, right? It's part of the capitalist structure. I get that money. You know what I mean? So, um, I think that that kind of experience, you know what I mean? Um, or knowing those experiences or knowing this reality, you know, it's like, you know, but we're so, we're so hurt, you know, that we can't, um, we don't know how to decipher, you know, business versus, you know, personal, um, TMZ cares not about feelings. They care about money, you know, uh, CBS morning show can try to be a little bit more classy and sophisticated, but at the end of the day, it's still about clicks and views and likes period. That's what it's about. Period. Point blank. Right. Whatever, whatever. Again, if it bleeds, it leads. So now getting to Snoop's reaction, calling her dog fix B. So then you have Mark Lamont Hill. Marcus from Philly, too. There's a lot of Philly things going on. Philly in the building. Mark Lamont Hill. Dr. Mark Lamont Hill. It's a friend of, friend of a friend. Um, <clears throat> he made a point on Twitter where he basically said, this is, you know, the word we're looking for here is nuance. I understand everybody's emotional and frustrated and hurt. Um, but this Snoop had to call her a dog face B, you know, while addressing his feelings. And a majority of the community was like, yeah. You know, she is a dog face being blah, 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 blah. And I was just astonished by the amount of people who were women, amount of women who were like really co-signing Snoop's disrespect. And when I first heard it, it made me cringe. When I first heard the video, I was like, this is making me cringe. Like, first of all, the fact that he's how was Snoop's like 50 at this point. He's a grown man, very influential grown man. I hate people call him Uncle Snoop. I hate that the culture calls him o- Uncle Snoop. I really hate that. Um, and I look at Snoop's track record. Now, don't get me wrong. I was the first one to bump Doggy Style back in the, was it mid-90s? Um, that was actually my CD. I used to bump that CD was tragic, you know. It ain't no fun if the homies can't have none. Um, I mean, every... You know, misogynistic experience that you could think of is in that CD. You know, get on your knees and just start juggling these nuts in your M and F and mouth. Like, you know what I mean? But I think that at that era of hip hop, it was like, you know, people had the gumption and the gall to, you know, say this ridiculous stuff that was really kind of happening in these like, you know, dark basements and, you know, in these in these back rooms. Um, and as a teen and in my life, like, you know, growing up in inner city kind of like you 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 had to be down with the urban experience or what like there wasn't really you know like the suburb like you know rock and electronic and all that kind of stuff was like really for like suburban black kids or black kids who grew up in the you know the the suburban areas but if you were in the inner city it was all about you know hip-hop it was all about r&b so everything that was hip-hop and hot in hip-hop basically you was down with or you knew about or you rocked or your family your people rocked that was a hot topic in school that was a hot topic you know what I mean in parties but Snoop was the one of the main figures in the quote-unquote culture 
that normalize misogyny within hip hop. Main, like one of the main figures, aka disrespect toward black women. Because for the most part, these people, these rappers were talking about black women that they knew, right? Um, you know, he walked around with women with dog collars. You know, he's a dog and everybody's the dog pound. You know, just the whole concept of, you know, I'm a dog, so I'm going to dog these women out. So his whole career was built on the disrespect of black women. Whole career. And the community celebrated that. Now, you had people from the older guard, C. Dolores Tucker, a lot of other people. Actually, when his album came out, he, they took that album, and I think it was N.W.A., and that whole gangster rap era. They put all the albums. I don't know if you remember this. This is a classic thing. They put all the albums on a street, uh, on the street, and they actually got a steamroller, and they actually was steamrolling the albums as saying, this is trash for our community. Now, at the time, as a young person, I was like, dang, that's kind of whack. These old people are like, you know, this and our music. I was like, what, 15 at the time? Right? This and our music. Right? But when I look at it in retrospect, it was like they were trying to make an effort to say, this is trash music and this music is going to be destructive for the community. And lo and behold, it has been and it is. Right? Um, and Snoop's response, I remember Snoop's response clearly. Because he was saying, you know, if they would have had a conversation with me instead of rolling over my music, then maybe we could have figured out something. But it was like, that sounded good. And I think at that point, that was the rift between the older guard or the older people and then the young folk. This is what's hot and this is what's popping. And you guys are old and, you know, very conservative and churchgoers and that's why. So, in short, to wrap this whole idea up and this concept up is that it was disappointing to me. To see that so many black women co-signed what Snoop said, knowing his track record of disrespect toward black women, knowing that he built a whole career on disrespect toward black women, knowing that he basically kind of normalized the bitch hole culture. You feel what I mean? Um, that was very much what the West Coast was about because the East Coast back in the day was on that king and king shit. Right. Like, you know, what's up, queen? What's up, king? You know, that was kind of what, what, what New York was, was popping off and doing. Um, but then when the West Coast energy came out, that's when the whole bitch hole thing came out. So that whole culture, uh, West Coast rap, gangster rap was very much so, um, very much so part of how the bitch hole normality and the normalcy of referring to black women, um, women as bees and hoes, um, was about, and you also got two live crew and Miami, that's another thing. But point is that was the birth of all of that, right? That was like where all that stuff kind of gave, kind of came out. Um, and so you got people on his side, black women on his side. I'm just like, because it's Snoop, because he's globally influential and you got black women saying that's right, but she is a dog face. I'm like, you don't understand how his freedom to speak to to another black woman who ex- actually had, um, what do you call it? Actually had a stake in the black community for years. His freedom to actually address her that way and his unabashed, you know, un, un, unfiltered experience of addressing her that way in his anger and his hurt was highly problematic highly disrespectful and definitely I agree with Mark misogynistic and the fact that people co-signed it and the thing is people co-signed it around the world so now 
would he have called Maria Shriver or something like that? Would he have called, you know, another, name another, you know, classic legendary white fic, Barbara Walters, even though, you know, she's another generation, but you get my point. Would he have been so, Martha Stewart, would he have been so free to have said that same exact thing to another, uh, uh, to a white woman? I don't think that he would have. So the fact that this black man disrespected this black woman on a global platform and it went viral and people were, again, using death threats that death threats were being used uh yet people were getting you know uh she had to get said uh, gail i mean oprah said gail to get security it was just like wow you know what i mean he kind of opened the door for more disrespect and more um normalcy of basically when you feel like you disagree with the black woman you can actually call her dog face b and you can actually threaten her and you can actually have hostile energy and language toward her. And see, this is the climate that creates murder of black women and disrespect of black women and boyfriend shooting black women. Um, I, don't, I would question to say if Snoop um, even respects his wife. You know, we've seen many allegations of him not really respecting his wife in terms of sexuality, um, his sexuality in the world and cheating, multiple cheating experiences in children and, you know, just being, being you know, an, a, a powerful man in his own right. So it was just disrespectful to me to hear that he went so far as to threaten this black woman. Um, not only threaten this black woman, but then to threaten her globally and to get minions behind him to threaten her, but to also kind of co-sign the culture of it's okay to say whatever you want to say to black women, women, when you feel like you disagree with them and they are dog face bees and they do deserve to be, you know, talked to in whatever, any kind of way. Um, and so, um, the good news is that Snoop apologized and I'm really, really, really happy that he did that. Um, I think that he could be critical. I think that the, the, the lesson here is that you could be critical and you can actually have your hurt feelings. You can definitely say what you need to say about your hurt feelings. However, when you start going to the attack mode and calling people, you know, dog face bees and you know what I'm saying? Basically, you know, um, you know, saying I'm going to see you and roll up on people and get other people to kind of like get behind you and galvanize the death threats and all that. Like that's, that's way over the line. And then you talk about the question of somebody's safety, specifically the black woman's safety. And then, you know, contrast as to when a Snoop Dogg ever stood up publicly for a black woman. Has he? Has he made a public statement about the protection and support of black women? So I, I say all this to say that this, this whole race ideology stuff and you know, gender politics and how, who can say what, this is really, really deep and really complex. Um, I talk about some of these things on my show and I address that because I talk about my own life and how I, um, you know, how sexuality and, you know, the things people have said to me as a young person and the culture that was created around, um, young black women, you know what I mean? In growing up in hip hop era and how hip hop definitely affected, you know what I mean? How I saw myself specifically with the images that were on television. So I speak a lot about that in my show and in my story. Um, so I just wanted to make this commentary because I believe that it's a good thing that uh, Snoop apologized. But I do think that people need to sit down with Oprah and Gail and really ask them the hard questions. You know what I mean? Like, why don't you speak to these other figures? You know what I'm saying? Why are you so quick to jump on the bag wagon when it's a black man being hung? Um, and again, I'm not saying I defend these black men because, again, I, I I would more so lean to it's possible that these things have happened because, again, we talk about a climate of dysfunction in the industry. So I can't imagine 
them being so upstanding, uh, specifically with the rumors that are but that had buzzed around them for years. For a lot of people, it buzzed around. Like there were a lot of rumors buzzing around Harvey Weinstein. There were rumors buzzing around Russell Simmons. Um, there were rumors buzzing around a lot of people in the industry. But of course, it was like the open secret. You know, you don't really kind of question it. If you want the job, if you want to be down, shut up and do what you got to do. You know what I mean? Keep your head down and you know get violated but get your money you know what i'm saying um so i think that people need to really have the, the mature manhood thing would be like you know here's a league of five black men that would like to call oprah and gail out and have a conversation with her on national tv or live or stream you know what i mean and let's really get to the bottom of this if you say that you are anti-black or anti-black male or maybe they're not maybe they are anti-black male they're strategically anti-black male um let's talk about it so we can really model to these young people how to do things beside, you know, a text, a text and, um, you know, disrespect. It's crazy. You know what I'm saying? So I think Snoop, in my opinion, needed to apologize because of his track record, because of who he is and because of what he brought to the world with, you know, doggy style. I remember many tracks verbatim. You know what I'm saying? Um, he needed to apologize um, a lot of hip hop artists who apologize for the disrespect and the damage and the and the and the um, chaos they've created by their music and their lyrics. It is very damaging and it's very dysfunctional. So, this has been phenomenal <laughs> and phenomenal everywhere. Lacey C. Clark, host of Phenomenal Everywhere, the podcast. And um, again, if you want to hear the Phenomenal Everywhere story, which is my life story, which is the world through a black woman's eyes and my self-love journey, please support the project by going to www.peverywhere.com as well as CD Baby. And or you can support the project via Cash App, which is Phenom Everywhere. I'm sorry, Phenom Everywhere via Cash App, Phenom Everywhere via Cash App. Always remember, great people, to travel in and travel out. Peace and love.